Uh, but would you um, go ahead and stand with me? We're going to read God's word this morning. Uh, we've been journeying through uh, the book of John since uh, this year started, and which has been just really cool. Um, and so uh, we find ourselves now in John chapter 14. And uh, we're just going to stand for the reading of God's word. Then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into part of this. Uh, let's open our hearts to God's word this morning. This is Jesus towards the end of his uh, earthly life. Uh, this is at the, at the Last Supper, and he knows on the next 24 hours he's going to the cross uh, just real soon here. And uh, as, as he finishes up his last meal with his disciples, he, he's telling them what's, what's going to happen. And, 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 and they are, thanks, man, uh, they're visibly upset about this. And so he's speaking to his good friends at the table, and he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I not been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. Believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise. Let us go from here. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you again for 
the Gospel of John for these words of yours. Lord, I pray that those words, let your heart not be troubled. God, that would speak to each and every one of us. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty in our world. But God, you promised that your peace would be with us and in us. That you would not leave us as orphans, but that you would be with us and you'd send your spirit to us. So Jesus, I pray right now that we would just... Breathe out anxiety, worries, fears, the things that are troubling our hearts. God, we just breathe in your spirit, your love. God, I pray right now that you just give me your words as as we explore some of these ideas in in John 14. God, we just want to pray for those in our community who are hurting. God, they would receive the comfort that they need. God, those of us who are a little too comfortable, God, we pray for your conviction to move us to action. In your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Last week I asked the question, what would you do if you knew you only had a few days yet to live? This is where Jesus finds himself. On on the night before he went to the cross, he spent time with his disciples having having a meal. And last week you looked at how he took the posture of a servant by, by washing his disciples' feet, even the feet of Judas, even knowing his death was upon him, that, that he served others. And, and so we, we've, we've been talking about this, that, that we are created to love God and, and then also to serve others, to be like Jesus, that, that he had that posture of a servant. And then today we're going to talk about what does it mean to multiply? What does it mean to make disciples? That Jesus, on his kind of final night with his disciples, is giving some final instructions. And that's what he's diving into today. So I just want to look at uh, what does it mean to, to be a disciple? And then what does it mean to make disciples? So what does it mean to be a disciple from John 14? And then what does it mean to make disciples? Well, real quick, we like to just go through and kind of give a recap of the, of the book of John. I think it just helps uh, remind us as, as we've been walking through this amazing gospel uh, since the uh, beginning of January. John 1, we see that God moved into our neighborhood. He tabernacled among us, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What a beautiful picture that God did not stay distant, but he came into our world. And then in John 2, we see Jesus' first miracle. He turns the water into wine, and that Jesus gives true festival joy. In John 3, uh, Pastor Josh did a great job talking about that. In the middle of the night, Nicodemus, a powerful religious man, comes to Jesus asking these questions, and Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world may be saved through him. And Nicodemus still has questions. He's not sure. What do you mean be born again? How can a man go back inside his mom? This is weird, Jesus. And he's, he leaves and he's uncertain. But then in John 4, Jesus, as he's passing through Samaria and this area where there's gender divides and racial divides, Jesus seeks out this woman with a troubled past. We don't know all about her, but we know that perhaps she's been wrong. Perhaps she's made some bad choices, but Jesus sees her and gives her dignity and worth and he says that he is the living water. And this day, living water is what you need to be made clean. And she puts her faith and trust in Jesus. She runs to her town. Come see this man who told me everything I ever did. And because of her witness, many, many believe. Jesus offers 
healing. Uh, Ethan did a great job talking about that, that the man who was lame, lame, who couldn't walk, and Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Same question he asks all of us. Do you want to be healed? He's a gentleman. He's going to ask us that question. Uh, in John 6, we see that Jesus is our provision and our peace. As, as he feeds the 5,000, he's our provision. He can take the little pieces of our lives and, and make much of them. But then he sends disciples ahead as, as he hangs back to have some quiet time by himself. And he sends his disciples into the storm. And just because we're in the middle of a storm doesn't mean we're out of God's will. And then Jesus walks on the water and he calms that storm. We said sometimes, you know, he, he sends us into a storm or he allows the storms to happen so that he can be our peace. In John 7, Josh Myers did a great job sharing about that. Like, what do you thirst for? And this promise that once Jesus ascends, the Father, the Holy Spirit will come and out of us will flow streams of living water, which was the, to be the Holy Spirit that was to come. In John 8, we talked about how there, there are these festivals where they would light these huge candles that would light up all of Jerusalem at night. And in the midst of this festival, Jesus stands up and declares that he is the light of the world. He's saying, you remember right now that we're celebrating how that, that pillar of flame w- would lead the Israelites through the, the wilderness? I am that I am who led you out of slavery and bondage. I am the light of the world. And John 9, the light goes into the world as a man who was born blind and never seen. And Jesus gives him sight and then reveals himself to be the Messiah. And he heals the man both physically and spiritually. In John 10, Jesus is the good shepherd. As on Easter Sunday, we said, or as a couple weeks before Easter, <laughs> the week before, how uh, he's a good shepherd who became a sheep, who laid down his life for us so that we could be family with God. And then John 11 his good friend Lazarus got sick and Mary Martha said, come Jesus, come heal your friend. And Jesus delays and what is going on? And Lazarus dies. And then four days later, Jesus shows up and Mary says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And he speaks truth to her. And then Mary comes to him and falls at his feet weeping. And Jesus is deeply moved. And what does Jesus do? Jesus weeps with her. And sometimes our Savior knows when we need to hear truth, and sometimes he knows when we just need that comforting presence to weep with us, but then he raises Lazarus to life. But then because of that, the religious people, they didn't like that, and so they were like, we're going to kill both Jesus and Lazarus. And then Pastor Josh did a great job talking about worship. At the celebratory dinner at Mary Martha's house, as Lazarus is kicking back, and he's alive, and everyone's excited, and Martha is worshiping by serving. And she's no longer upset that Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, but Mary then offers this valuable perfume and anoints Jesus' feet, pointing to his upcoming burial. This is probably just a couple days before the cross. And we say worship costs us something, whether it's the service or giving our all through worship as Mary broke that costly perfume and gave that to Jesus. And the last week, again, as Jesus washes his disciples' feet. We said we're called to be people of the towel. And we hand out those towels as a way to remind ourselves we're called to serve others. So today we're going to dive in and just talk about this idea of making disciples. How do we, how do we multiply? Apprentices of Jesus. We said that, that word disciple uh, can also be translated as apprentice. I, I, I like that word because sometimes 
if you're like me, you grew up in the church, disciple can just get kind of lost. Uh, it kind of loses its meaning. And so the word apprentice is really good for me. Oh, okay, that's what it means. I'm going to orient my whole life around Jesus, that he's my rabbi, he's my master, he's my teacher. And so what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Well, the first thing here we're going to see in John 14 is to believe in Jesus and to follow him, to believe in Jesus and follow him. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. He's saying that I and the Father are one. And that first step, that we all have that choice. Are we going to believe in ourselves and, and go our own way? Or are we going to bow the knee to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting that you know what's best for my life. And though it may be hard and, and there may be uncertainty, I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to trust you. I may not have all the answers, but I'm going to believe in you. I lost my clicker there. There we go. Here we go. Whoa. You can look ahead at my sermon. Don't cheat. There we go. Awesome. Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying that he's not just a way to God. He is the way. I've heard a lot of people exclaim, you know, that basically all religions are the same. And really what that is, is it's a very condescending statement to other religions. Uh, because Islam does not believe that they believe the same thing as Christianity. Uh, a, a Buddhist does not have the same picture of life and, and eternity as a follower of Jesus. Every religion, every philosophy is different. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to climb a couple mountains in Colorado. And what I learned was there's really one path <laughs> up that mountain. There aren't many pathways to get to that top. And Jesus is saying that he is the one and only way to God. That it is only through him that is what really Christianity is built on. That it's not on our own good deeds. It's not on, you know, what kind of scale am I on? You know, if Hitler's over here and, you know, Mother Teresa's over here, am I somewhere in the middle and where's God? No, no, no. <laughs> like none of us can earn our way up to heaven. The only way is through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. As a apprentice of Jesus, we have to believe in Jesus that he is the way the truth, and the life. And then Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Following Jesus isn't just having this mental belief and agreement. Oh, yep, Jesus, he died on that cross for me. I believe that. And then you go on and live your life however you want it. If we love Jesus, if we're his disciples, we're going to follow what he asks us to do. It, it, it's about following Jesus, orienting our life around him. Belief is, is faith in action. It, it's saying, Jesus, how do you want me to live my life? It, again, that doesn't earn our salvation. It's only through Jesus. But to be his apprentice is, is to follow and to keep his commandments. Second thing is to believe in yourself. 
I grew up, you know, a child of the 80s and 90s, and there was a lot, you know, you can do anything, believe it. And then you, you grow older and you're like, no, I can't be the president. I can't be a professional soccer player. You know, whatever it is I wanted to be. And then you go through this stage of life and you're like, uh, you know, I'm a worm. And it kind of depends on your theology sometimes. You're told depravity and you're like, oh, I'm nothing. It's only Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, like, you also need to believe in yourself. You are not just a victim. You have a part to play in your life that God has gifted us with, with, with a brain, with willpower. More and more, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing people talk about this and preach about this. Like, there's a battle in our minds that God calls us to win. And, and we need to believe in ourselves. Oftentimes I'll hear people ask, Eric, how do you know you're hearing from God? Or, you know, I've walked with Jesus for, for a number of times. I've never heard God. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you're like me, you hear voices all the time. And sometimes it's hard to know, am I talking to myself or, you know, who are these voices? And, and right now, if you're wondering, do I talk to myself? I'm not sure. You're talking to yourself, okay? <laughs> right? We all do it. We all have these voices, uh, all of many, many thoughts. The Apostle Paul tells us to take every thought captive. What does that mean? How is that even possible? Hundreds and thousands of thoughts through our head. What that means, though, there is a battle for our minds. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us. Any thought that comes into your mind that is pushing you down, that says you can't do it, you are weak, that um, uh, you, know, you don't deserve life, you don't deserve dignity, those thoughts are not from Jesus. Those are from the enemy. The thoughts that say, you know, maybe stretch your faith, that, that call us to something better and higher and bigger, those are from God. And God believes in you. He wants you to believe in him, but he also wants you to believe in yourself. And he wants to know you to know that God believes in you. Here's how Jesus says it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Jesus brought healing. He brought blessing. He was a teacher. He said, let the children come to me. He saw dignity and worth in people of any race, any gender, uh, any socioeconomic background. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you will do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, if you ask according to his will, according to the character of Jesus, you know, if you ask, you know, uh, Jesus, hey, help me to be as good of a three-point shooter as Steph Curry, that's not going to happen. That's probably not the will of Jesus. Maybe. Probably not, though. But if you say, Jesus, ask me, help me to be a blessing to my neighbor, he's going to answer that. Jesus, help me to love and serve my neighbor. He's going to answer that, that, that prayer. I will do it. For the longest time, I wonder what, what this meant, that we're going to do greater works than Jesus. What does that mean? We're going to raise people from the dead? I don't know. Really, I think what it comes from is like, um, uh, we are starting from a lesser place because what we do not have, uh, we, we are not Jesus, God in flesh. And so when we're able to do the things that Jesus did, it's even greater <laughs> because God is made perfect in our weakness and God's going to get even more glory because he uses imperfect people like you and me to do the things that Jesus did. Apprentices of Jesus, we need to believe in Jesus, to follow him, but believe in yourself. You are not just a spectator in your life. You're not just a bystander. Jesus wants to use you. you. You can fight the battle in your mind. You, you can do things with your life. You're not just a passive spectator. Jesus wants to use you to do the things that he did and then be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. In other places, Jesus says like, don't be so worried that I'm leaving you. Let not your hearts be troubled because it is for your good that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. See, Jesus was limited to one place and one time in a physical body. But by ascending to the Father, he says it's even better. What's better than Jesus walking beside you? It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. He says, it is for your, your good that I go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit. This is leveling up. It, it, it's what's leveling up from Jesus here on earth. It's the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit's gonna come. And 10 days after Jesus ascends to the Father on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the cross, the Holy Spirit falls in Acts 2 and, and, and they receive the Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit is not just for Old Testament saints like Elijah or, or Daniel or Samson. Now everyone has access to this same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives inside you and me. And that is good news, Amen. We have access to this helper. He's going to teach us. We're going to be filled with him. We're going to walk beside the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we are being filled and led by the Holy Spirit? What's the evidence of that Holy Spirit? Here's what I see from the gospel, uh, John 14. Powerful works. Jesus says, you will do the things that I did. A life that is marked by being filled with the Spirit is that you have these works. You are doing the things that Jesus calls you to do. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Evidence of being filled with the Spirit, an effective prayer life. Jesus says it like this. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Again, this is according to the will and the plan of Jesus. As we walk with Jesus, as his apprentices, our will and his will will more closely align. And then what we ask for will be in line with what Jesus wants for us. And we'll have an effective prayer life. As Jesus leads our prayers, we'll have powerful works, doing the things that Jesus did. We'll have an effective prayer life. And then we'll be experiencing the peace of God. Jesus says it this way, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, I get a lot of questions like, how do I know, Eric, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, if I have the Holy Spirit inside of me? Here's what I see in John 14. You have powerful works. You're loving, you're serving, you're making disciples. You have an effective prayer life. And you're experiencing the peace of God in your life. Well, that's what it means to, to be an apprentice of Jesus. Well, now, how do we make disciples? This is one of our big three. What does it mean to make disciples in our context? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is one of our uh, kind of key foundational verses 
really for any follower of Jesus, <laughs> part of any church, this is our mission statement. Different churches may, you know, have different mission statements, but this is it. This is what we are all about. Right before Jesus ascends to the Father, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples. That is our mission of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Number one, we baptize. That's that first step in, in making disciples. See, what happens oftentimes is we come to Jesus and, and we love Jesus, but we sometimes want the father without the family. And we're like, those Christians are weird over there. I don't know, Jesus. Uh, how about just, just, it's just you and me, Jesus. Just you and the father. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. yeah, it's you and me. Yeah, he's your father, but everyone over here, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ too. It's like, ah, Jesus, I don't know. They're kind of weird over there. Uh, they cheer for, you know, the Seahawks or the Packers, not the Vikings. I, I don't know if I can, I can love them, you know, uh, but we want the father without the family. But your baptism, your baptism into Jesus is a stronger bond than anything else you can name. Whoa, whoa, whoa what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, see, like, like, like we're Packers fans. That, that's what we got going for us. Your baptism is a stronger bond than the football team you cheer for. Your baptism is a stronger bond than your political affiliation. That means maybe you voted for uh, the Republican candidate. Your baptism makes you closer, your family, with someone who voted for the Democrat candidate who is a follower of Jesus than the other person who voted for your same candidate who's not a follower of Jesus. You tracking? Your baptism to Jesus means that your brother and sister over in Palestine or India or South Korea, they are your brother and sister closer than your neighbor who may not be following and walking with Jesus. See, our baptism into Jesus brings us into his family. That is our number one bond. That is more important than anything else. Than even your, the, the nation that you're part of and, and, and being proud to be an American. Eric, what are you saying? Are you not proud to be an American? Of course I am. But first, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we don't pray that God make this nation great again. We pray, Jesus, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? That's what it's about. Church, I'm so tired of all the political differences separating us. When we've been baptized into Jesus, those are our brothers and our sisters. That is our family. And so we baptize people into this family of God. That word means to, to identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And so we're going to do that here in June. And people that get baptized into the family of God, we are all brothers and sisters. Wherever you're from, whatever nation you live in, that's our family. And we need to teach them. Teaching them. Here's ways we, we, we teach. Number one, Sundays from the stage. This. This is part of it. This isn't all of it. We have teaching videos. Sundays release. Uh, Mosaic midweek. Uh, YouTube videos. Uh, uh, testimony videos. Different things. We, we want to use technology. Here's a way you, you can teach and make disciples is you can share those. Or maybe you listen to another preacher. Hey, praise God. That's great. And say, hey, I listen to this podcast. Share it with someone. Teach people. That's how you can make disciples. Number, number three, midweek in circle communities. We've done small groups in different ways. 
the, the method is not important. It's the mission of teaching people about Jesus and how to follow him. Amen? Uh, this summer, this fall, we may tweak, we may kind of look at how we do small groups and communities. I'm not really sure. Uh, I still have this burning uh, uh, idea of just, you know, maybe it's larger communities. I don't know. Maybe we have one Maple Grove, one Champlain, one Brooklyn Park where we gather together, we share a meal around the table because something special that happens there. We worship and, and, and we open scripture together. But we're in these circle communities. And however we do that, that could be, you know, three, four people around a table at a, at a coffee shop. It could be in a living room. It could be, you know, in a backyard with, you know, 20 people. Or if that looks like exactly. It's important to gather in circles. We say this a lot. Rows don't know. The people in your row, they don't know when you're struggling. They don't know when your kid got some diagnosis that you're freaked out about. But circles, that's where, that's where life really happens. And so we, we, we do life and we learn together. See, it's great to have someone up here lecture you for 35 minutes. Uh, as a pastor, you always have to like check your soul because it's, it's, it's a weird thing to get on the stage and have people listen to you for 35, 45 minutes. But there's something about circles. Where we're all just learning and growing and, and we're all just in this together. And then finally, one-on-one, face-to-face. There's something, again, that's just unique to say, hey, you and I, let's sit down and how can we do this? There's a resource uh, I found. It's not perfect, but it's about 95% of what I would love to do. Uh, we've talked about this. We have colors for everything. Our love God color for worship is blue. Serve others is red. Making disciples is green. So the green book is perfect for that. Uh, but this is a resource another church made where uh, it's like 13 weeks. You can sit down with someone and it really just walks through what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And uh, I ordered 10 of these books. It's just a trial run. I'm looking for ten, nine other people with me who would say, hey, I want to sit down with one other person. And it doesn't mean even you think like, hey, I'm this teacher and, and this person is way below me. It's saying, hey, together, let's learn what it means to follow Jesus. Would you sit with me for, you know, 13 weeks or so? And we're going to open this up. We're going to go through it. We're going to read this together. We're going to read these scriptures and go through just the green book together. So I'm going to do this. And I'm looking for nine other people. Let me know after the service. I got the books in the back. Say, yeah, maybe you, you and your spouse want to do it. Maybe it's you and a neighbor. Hey, maybe you have you know, a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13-year-old son. And you're like, hey, let's do this green book together. Church, we are called to make disciples. This is just one of the tool. Baptizing them, teaching them. Sundays from the stage, midweek videos, podcasts you can share. You know, in-circle communities, one-on-one. Baptize them, teach them, and then walk alongside them. It's being available. It's saying, hey, what's going on in your life? Church, how are we spurring one another on to, to following Jesus, to, to loving well, uh, of serving others, uh, of making disciples, of how are we walking alongside each other? Apprentice of Jesus, believe in Jesus, follow him, do his commandments, what he said to do. Believe in yourself. You're not just some passive observer in your life. God calls you to more. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're called to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them, to walk alongside them. So I want to ask you, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? If you can't answer that question, I want you to spend today thinking about that. If you've been a follower of Jesus for more than five minutes, you're called to be a disciple maker. You were born to be a disciple maker. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And sometimes we can make this too big or this is just a job for pastors or small group leaders. I want to invite the band. They can come on up to do our closing song. But this is what we are all called to do. 
as a parent, we're called to be disciple makers of our children. As parents, our job isn't to raise well-adjusted citizens. It's to raise disciples of Jesus who, when they leave our home, are going to walk with Jesus in confidence as they become, more, as they become disciple makers. Husbands and wives, how are we discipling each other, leading each other closer to Jesus? All of us, married, single, we're married, now single again. Is there someone in your life that you are investing in, that you're pouring into that relationship, that you are making disciples? Your relationship is not just you and the Father. You also have this whole family, and we're called to disciple each other. I'm going to pray, and my prayer for you is that if you can't answer this question, that God will bring the name of one person that he wants you to invest in that relationship. And perhaps you want to use this tool, the green book. Hey, use this tool. (laughs) Go through the Gospel of Matthew. Go through the Gospel of John, as we've been doing right now. You know, our youth group is going through uh, the book of Philippians, verse by verse, as Ethan disciples those 10 to 12 teenagers on Sunday nights. But I want you to answer that question. Who am I discipling? Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you promised that you would be with us even to the end of the age. So Jesus, I pray we would take this seriously to make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them, and walking alongside them. God, I know there are many of us who've been sitting on the sidelines because of COVID or because maybe our work schedules or or homeschooling or just things have gotten a little crazy. But God, I pray right now we'd have a renewed commitment to making disciples, to helping others apprentice and follow Jesus. God, that we not just be passive spectators waiting maybe for someone else to pour into us, but God, you would reveal to each and every one of us who we can be investing in as a parent, as an uncle, as as a grandparent, as, as a neighbor, as a friend. God, let us step up to take that next step of faith to say, hey, would you do the green book with me? Hey, would you read through the gospel of Matthew to me? And let's just discuss it once a week over breakfast or coffee. Jesus, get us out of our comfort zones. Let us follow you. And and I believe when we do that, our lives will be filled with even more life and purpose and hope and joy. Because we are living the way that you designed us to live. Jesus, I just want to pray a special blessing of all the parents in this room. God, that they would step up and disciple their children. God, it is hard with homework and everything else, but God, that each of us that are parents, God, we'd be intentional about walking through the gospels with our kids and teaching them about Jesus and and who Jesus was and how to follow him. And, And God, just for every one of us, just bring to mind that one person we can sit face to face with and say, let us together follow Jesus and help each other to be apprentices of him. In your name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna close now. And uh, thank you again so much for joining us. I went a little late today, but thanks for being here. Uh, As we sing the song about 
that Jesus has done great things, may you know that you also are called to do great things. That God believes in you. That God called you to his work and to his purpose. And he's gonna be with you. Have a great week. May you be filled with hope. May you be filled with love. May you be filled with joy. Let's go out of here singing this last song.